0: Hey, everybody. It's nice to have you back. Just a reminder, on January 22nd, I'm going to be reopening my online course, Valued. Now, if you're somebody that's looking to learn more about how to break into the field of strength and conditioning, how to stand out from the crowd, avoid costly mistakes, and make money while making a difference in the lives of others, please make sure that you put this date down, January 22nd, and check out Valued. This is the only resource that exists in strength and conditioning and performance in general that is a career blueprint. That means we've divided the course into three sections, getting the job, advancing within the job, and securing your future. What this means is whether you're somebody that's just getting into strength and conditioning or you're somebody that's been in it for a while but you kind of feel like you've been stuck in the same position – or you're even a senior level coach and you feel like, gosh, I've been doing this for decades now and I'm not quite sure if I'm gonna be able to retire. This course has a section for you. Again, guys, it's the only thing in the human performance field that is so career focused to this level. It is self-paced. You own the content throughout forever. Uh, It has audio files, video, 4K, professionally produced video, downloadable notes, manuals. So even if you're somebody that hires coaches and you're trying to get a better idea of how to incentivize them, different things that you should put in place to make sure that you've created the right work environment, ways that you can vet coaches through the interview process to make sure you're hiring the right candidates. We have all of those things. Now, not only that, guys, we have some incredible bonuses. So I wanted this resource to be as inclusive as possible because I've worked in the team setting and I've worked in the private sector but I don't have everything figured out. So I knew I wanted more coaches in there that have worked across domains that could provide great resources. So as a bonus, when you join Valued, You get a full bonus presentation by Ron McKeefrey. Ron is internationally recognized as a leader in the area of sports development. He's worked in the professional side of sport, the collegiate side. He's worked with military as well. And Ron goes through a tremendous presentation at how you can avoid the mistakes he did early in his career, how you can really approach your coach development in a different way. Another bonus you get is an interview with Donnell Boucher. Donnell is a good friend and the assistant athletic director and head strength coach at the Citadel Military College in South Carolina. Now, he shares his strategies, he employs, At the Citadel to be able to advance within the job? What did he do to be seen as more than just the head strength coach on campus? Because that's a big issue. A lot of strength coaches are seen as uh, they're seen as dispensable. Like, yeah, we can get somebody to replace that. So Donnell has really dove deep into what he's done to solidify his power, his influence, his ability to help, his ability to scale, his ability to help across the campus and become a permanent fixture and an invaluable fixture at the Citadel. We also give you a bonus Q&A on financial planning. Listen, If you've been a strength coach, if you're a physical therapist, if you're a personal trainer, you guys know that not many of us receive formal education on financial planning. It's usually not a part of our four-year curriculum. If you went and got a master's degree, unless you did one in business, you probably didn't receive it. Unless you have a family member that is in it, you probably didn't receive it. i mean, sure you can read books and do all those things, but in this, we brought in my father, who was a a licensed financial planner for over 40 years. And if you're somebody that just doesn't even know what a 401k is and you feel like, I don't know, I I don't even have any money left over, I'm in debt, I can't invest, he addresses all of those things. If you do have some extra income that you're looking to figure out, all right, well, what are the myths? What are the facts? What should I do? I've heard about the stock market. I've heard about this. He covers that as well. So it's top to bottom. You get a full audio interview where he goes through all those things downloadable notes and a full-blown Q&A. Last January, we hosted this event in Atlanta. And we did an open Q&A and it was awesome. So not only do you have the bonus video from Ron McKee for you, a bonus with Donnell Boucher and the financial planning, but you also have a bonus Q&A with coach Andrea Hootie, at, who at the time of this recording is at the University of Texas and is one of the premier pioneering female strength coaches in the world. Guys, coach Hootie has more championship rings than she has fingers and toes. But most importantly, she is so astute At just knowing how to navigate the politics and dynamics, both on the performance side and the politics side of strength and conditioning. So, you have a full blown bonus video there as well from her and her staff. It's an inside look at their staff meeting. You can't get it anywhere else. If that wasn't enough, guys, you also have a bonus PDF for those of you that are looking to open your own facility, for those of you who want to open your own location and avoid those mistakes. Andy McCloy, a great friend of mine has included a bonus PDF, 10 lessons from 20 years in the trenches. So he goes all through everything he learned how to open the gym. Guys, this can cover marketing. This can cover branding. I get constant questions on Instagram. Uh, Hey, how do I break into the field? Hey, how do I market myself so I can train athletes? Hey, how do I get more clients in general? Every single one of those things, guys, is mentioned in this course. Now, of course, you can continue to listen to the podcast. I'm always going to try to give you great information here. But if you want a true step-by-step how-to guide, that is what my courses are for. On the podcast, we'll always be able to talk about these topics to a degree. But the step-by-step guides, the printable how-tos, the manuals, all those things are for these courses. So again, January 22nd. It's eight modules packed with research-backed, actionable content. This is not theory. It's also accompanied by exercises designed to help you guys put these course principles into practice. Bonus number one, presentation by Ron McKeefrey. Bonus number two, an interview with Don L. Boucher. Bonus number three, financial planning Q&A with Kent. And bonus number four, Q&A video with Coach Andrea Hootie. So whether you're looking to break into the field, you're looking for coaches to hire, you're trying to advance within the position that you kind of feel like you've been stuck at, guys, this course has it all. From networking, to resume writing, to interview skills, to branding, to marketing, to understanding contracts. Here's the thing, guys. I'll be honest. When we first released some of these courses, my goal was to do something very different. I hired a professional film crew. I put a ton of money into these things because I just felt like a lot of these courses just seem like people record them in their living room. They don't seem super high quality. Um, I've bought courses in the past that the audio was awful. You could barely hear it. And I wasted what I felt like was hundreds or thousands of dollars. Now, because we poured so much money into this... We do have to put a price point on it. This isn't something we can give away for free, you know, but we are doing massive discounts the week of January 22nd on my newsletter. So if you want a massive discount on this, make sure you go to artofcoaching.com backslash start. That's S T A R T. Artofcoaching.com backslash start you're gonna receive more information about this course. You're gonna receive all the details about the discounts. And guys, if you're somebody that doesn't wanna pay for these things, All I can tell you is it costs a heck of a lot more to reverse bad career decisions and bad mistakes that other people could have taught you how to avoid than it does for this course. Okay, so it's kind of like that old adage, hey, if you think uh, hiring a professional is expensive, wait till you hire an amateur because they're generally going to screw things up for you. So again, You can totally say, I don't want to buy any courses. I just want to do the podcast, or, you know, sounds cool, but not really for me. And I'm not sure I can afford it. Guys, you got to look at your budget. All right. We don't have, like, generally, you're always going to be able to find money if you're creative enough. What you're not going to be able to find is second chances if you make the wrong choice for you or your family and all those things. I mean, this is the point that this was made. We've all felt stuck. I remember what it was like when. I had an opportunity to take this one job, and it seemed great. It was, uh, it would have given me a lot of notoriety, which was something early in my career I thought was really important to a degree. And it was a chance for me to kind of "quote unquote" finally prove myself um, to a bigger audience because I could get a real flashy acronym behind my name and title behind my name. But here's the deal. The contract they almost had me sign would have locked me into essentially eight years of misery. And not only that, there was no room for bonuses. There was no room for raises. And that internal strength coach in me kept saying, well, it's not about the money. Guys, I had done two unpaid internships. I had done a graduate assistantship. You know, I had done all these things and I wanted to have a family. So I hate to say it, but at some point, it is about the money and it has to be about your future. Uh, you can't help a lot of people if you are burnout. out. You can't make a difference in the lives of others if you're in a career that's not sustainable. So please, 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 check out the only career guidance-based resource for strength and conditioning for performance professionals. It is reopening January 22nd. I hope you take your career seriously. I hope you check this out uh, because there's a lot of people that want to help and this is a unified approach within the field. All right, we're going to get to the episode now, but just remember January 22nd, I'm going to keep harping on you. I put my life's work into this and I really think I hate like if I would have died shortly after this, heaven forbid, this is something that I would have felt like was a legacy product for me in strength and conditioning. I would have finally felt like man, I hope I did something useful. I really did my best. And if you know me, you know how big that is because I'm never happy with my own work. Uh, But this was something that was a very meaningful project to me. And I hope at the very least you check it out because I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And if you are, you have a full on money back guarantee. So if you hate it and you decide I open this and this sucks, no questions asked, you can get your money back. We have a full on return policy for that. All right, guys, take care. Enjoy the episode. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the Art of Coaching Podcast, a show aimed at getting to the core of what it takes to change attitudes, behaviors, and outcomes in the weight room, boardroom, classroom, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Brett Bartholomew. I'm a performance coach, keynote speaker, and the author of the book Conscious Coaching. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student interested in all aspects of human behavior and communication. I want to thank you for joining me. And now let's dive into today's episode. All right, on today's show, guys, we have Eric Cressy. Eric Cressy is the president and co-founder of Cressy Sports Performance and has facilities in Hudson, Massachusetts, and Jupiter, Florida. Eric has been a legend in the performance game for a very long time. He's put out a tremendous amount of content. He works with a number of organizations, and he has worked with well over a hundred Major League Baseball players throughout his career. Now, it's also important to note that it's not just the Major League level, right? Eric cut his teeth at every level, and that's what makes him special. There was no early specialization within his development as a coach. He's always looked at a full-spectrum view and has one of the most unique hybrid takes on both strength and conditioning and just anatomy and physiology and an understanding of biomechanics and force transfer uh, than almost anybody else in the field. Most importantly, the main reason I wanted to get Eric on this show is because of the tremendous amount of balance and scale he's shown, not only as a father, as a strength coach, but as a business owner. So if you're somebody that's listening to this that isn't in the performance community, you're still going to love this. We talk about a lot of different things. He actually has a background in accounting, which was something I learned through our conversation. So even those even those of you who are finance nerds, I think are going to find this very interesting. I'm experimenting with a new way of kind of getting these bios out of the way early so you guys can enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think. You are going to enjoy this. And if you can if you can make sure to turn up the volume. Eric was sick during this episode and he was still kind enough to come on and give you some phenomenal phenomenal content. Lastly, make sure that you guys download the Art of Coaching podcast reflection sheets. These are sheets that you can download that help you make the most of the tactics delivered in the episode. They're completely free to you. They're completely free. Just go to artofcoaching.com and you'll be able to find them in the podcast section. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Art of Coaching Podcast. I'm joined today by my friend, Eric Cressy. Eric, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm an avid listener. Excited to be on.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I find that it's a, it can be probably a fairly polarizing uh, podcast because there's some things that we talk about that are pretty uncomfortable for coaches and, and not always, you know, on the the same wavelength of, I think what like previous podcasts have been, but I know you as somebody that runs a podcast of your own and I, and I love what you've done with yours as well. Like just diving into different territories, different areas that, or at least providing a new take on it. Right. Cause we say there's nothing new under the sun, but there certainly are different speaking points and perspectives. So, uh, what, what encouraged you to that point before we even dive into this stuff to, to start a podcast of your own with everything else that you're already doing?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I stubborn like many things in my life. I wasn't the early adopter. Uh, I, I kind of stubbornly resisted it for a long time. Um, and actually, Adam Bornstein is a good friend of mine. Um, and Adam's done some really amazing work behind the scenes on some of the bigger podcasts that that folks know in the industry. And he's involved with Ladder. um, supplement the company now. But um, Adam was a guy who uh, I actually saw in Colorado when I was out there last year, and we got a lift in his garage gym, and just got to talking and they spoke to kind of how it was a, a different demographic that I probably wasn't getting with just social media and the newsletter and all that. So it was kind of one more way to expand our reach. But what I came to realize is that I had a lot of conversations on, the, on a daily basis, just with our athletes, um, you know, support staff, things like that. And you know, I built a pretty good network um, and a lot of the, the expertise that was shared in those con- you know, conversations wasn't necessarily getting out to a larger audience. Um, so I thought, you know, it'd be one more way to kind of add to our offering and you know, disseminate some of the good information that we have in-house, but isn't necessarily exposed to the world. But it's been a really good move.
0: Yeah, no. And I appreciate that as well. I'm not, I wasn't an early adopter to this too. Same thing. I I stubbornly, I was like, I don't know. I don't really like hearing my own voice, let alone projecting it out to the world. And so, but you're right. Like there are certain conversations that need to be had and there are plenty of markets yet that have have to be served. So I appreciate that. Well, listen, I want to cut right to it because one of the things that attracted me to having you on, and I know you've been on thousands upon thousands, it seems like thousands of podcasts. And I've followed your work for a very long time, even when I just started out. And I know everybody in the world asks you about things related to overhead athletes, the shoulder, deadlifts, um, you know, so much with training. But I have to be honest, there was something that you wrote back in May of this year, well, 2019, when we're recording this, and it caught my eye. And it was a no brainer of something I knew I wanted to have you on at some point. And I don't know if you remember the article, but It was basically, I think it was titled The Most Important Coaching Responsibility, and it was about your daughters in large part. Do you remember this?
1: Absolutely. That's big.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and um, as we're recording this, I'm less than one week away for expecting my first child, and I think that that's something that, again, most coaches will will grow and develop and have families and what have you, but it's funny, they don't really get talked to or talked about much other than quick sound bites, right? People mention them at the beginning of the episode or they mention them here and there in interviews, but very rarely do people talk about the dynamics of what changes um, in your life as a coach and especially with you as a business owner when you start to have kids and with you now having two twins or a set of twins, Lydia and Mm -hmm. Addison, and then your little girl, Tegan, can you Kind of just talk about how that has changed. We'll, we'll go broad first, and then we'll go deeper, but just how did that impact everything that you've done with everything you've accomplished so far in your career?
1: The, the, probably the best way I can describe it is um, what one of our pro baseball guys said to me. Um, he had a, his first son um, you know, years before we had the girls, and when Anna was pregnant with our, our twins, he said to me, um, I never realized until I had kids how selfish I was. Like I always ate when I wanted to, I slept when I wanted to, I trained when I wanted to. Um, and now I have a baby and I just have to hold it and I can't do anything else. Like, you know, it is, or actually you will soon enough, like where you got a phone in your pocket you've got a million text messages to return and you're holding a baby, but you're like terrified to move because if you take the phone out of your pocket, you might wake it up and you've been rocking it okay. for the last hour and a half. So it's, it's definitely a challenge in that regard. Um, what I found is it's harder to find deep work. You know, you can find the five minutes here and there, but you realize that while you're writing that email, there's a, you know, a little kid grabbing onto your shorts asking if you want to go do a puzzle and, you know, you can't say no to that. So you definitely have to do a much better job of batching your time. Um, I think what was challenging for us, so we opened our second facility in Florida um, and it actually opened up November 2nd, 2014. My wife and I moved down here when she was about seven months pregnant with twins in September of that year. And what we actually did was we opened the facility on January or sorry, February the uh, November second, and we had the twins on November twenty eighth. So we were three months into a brand new facility in a brand new state. And then we had two kids. Um, and twins are on a different level. I mean, you know, people ask, you know, you which one of you like stayed up and did I and you're like, Well, we both did because that's what happened. We had right. two kids. Um, so that first off season taught me a lot about sleep deprivation and how much caffeine consumption a human can live with and all that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it, you know, life had a much better pace to it. Obviously once we, we got past that first year or so, and then obviously we, we restarted that cause by having another one this year. And, um, you just, you just adjust, but what more than anything you, else, you realize that you were not nearly as efficient as you think you were, you know, you, you took back in time and you realize you got lost in some YouTube videos or, you know, you just weren't as synced with the things you did. You, you probably waste a lot of time on low return on investment activities and spend too much time screwing around. And once you have kids, you just don't have that. Um, so for me, like I'm an early riser. I was up at 5:15 this morning and I know our girls usually start to stir around like six 7 o'clock. So if I'm up at 5:15, it's feed the dog, make coffee. And I got an hour and a half to really get a lot of quality work in. So, um, I think that's the biggest thing is kids have really taught me how to be more efficient with my
0: time yeah I appreciate the the level of detail in that too and you just talking about yeah within within us opening the second facility and then the kid comes along and that kind of leads into something else and and I know I don't prep you with questions so I hope you don't mind because this Sorry? is super personal no, but like, I love it I, I still yeah. like a big a big portion of this podcast is geared towards kind of tearing down these sacred cows where like leaders feel like they have to act like they're impervious to these like life disturbances. And I know people wouldn't like to refer to their kids as life disturbances, but I'm not connotating, like, I'm not saying that's bad. But what I mean is, was there ever a time, I mean, there had to be, I know you're super put together and I know you have everything locked in, but there, was there ever a time where at the peak of all this, like your, your facility and your kids, and maybe it was with your first child or your, the twins where you felt like, oh my God, like, I feel like I'm falling apart just in terms of like, you know, now I've got to manage my training, my business. Like, did you ever get stressed out? Did you ever get worried? I know you have an amazing partner, but did you ever doubt yourself is where I'm getting at with this?
1: Um, you know what? I to put it this way. I don't know that I ever doubted myself. Um, I think in general, I'm a, a pretty confident person. And I'm, I think I do a good job of betting on my skill sets, yep. you know, I'm not taking unnecessary leaps of faith that are outside of what I think I do well. Um, but I think, yeah, certainly you have those days where you're like, Oh my God, this is awful. Um, and I, you know, the funniest thing about twins is, um, you know, my wife and I like always joke, like there were times when it was like 3am, like we were up just like staring at each other. Either each of us was holding a bottle and a kid and we looked at each other and just like laughed and we're like, you know what? Some Porsche left out there has triplets, you know, like they don't even have enough nipples to keep up with the kids. So it could always be a lot worse. Um, you know, I, so I try to keep things in, in context. Um, you know, certainly we have frustrations. We have challenges that we deal with. Like people hear that we split our time between Massachusetts and Florida and they, they think we're like snowbirds going to the beach like every day. Like we went to the beach once last year. Um, so it's a lot more of like the headaches of moving an entire family back and forth, starting to grow late in school and pulling them out a little bit earlier while we still can and all those factors. But, um, you know, I, I think it could be a lot worse. Like we don't worry about money. Like we all have our health. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate to be able to do what we do. We, we have jobs that we love. We get to work with people we really care about. So I, I think it's all relative. You know, it going be a lot different if I was like a, you know, a, a single mom trying to make ends meet while working sure. two jobs and didn't have a, you know, an amazing you know, wife to help me along through this. So I, I think it, it always is relative to, to what you're dealing with. So you know, I, I can't complain that like, you know, we have a better life than I ever could have imagined. I have three beautiful daughters, an awesome wife you know, multiple businesses that I'm really proud of and passionate about. And, you know, I, I turn down way more opportunities than, than I take nowadays. And, and, um, you know, it's taken a long time to get to this point, but you know, it's a, I, life is good. So um, I, I don't have those days where I'm like, Oh my gosh, the guy is
0: falling. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I think like the reason I want to mention that is I, you know, I had a friend recently that had a kid and he just said, he said similar thing to, to what you had said is he stated, you know, I realized how much time I had wasted even little things. And he wasn't even talking about even just YouTube and all that. He said, you know, sometimes just being a people pleaser. And that was something I related to in that he's like, I always tried to go above and beyond to get back to absolutely everybody. And I just realized I couldn't do that anymore. The way he put it is he had to be more selfish on the end of his family. And he was like, the the battle for him was then people perceived him being selfish as a practitioner when in reality, he's like, I was just trying to be a good father. And I think yeah. that that can be a struggle. I know that's something that I've I've kind of wondered, like, you know, because there are going to be, we've done several episodes before on this podcast of like creating barriers, right? Like you, gotta, you have to create yeah. a barrier. And with how systematized you are and how family focused you are, even while running a business, Eric, have you been able to do that? Create respectful va- barriers so that you can, you know, be a little bit more selfish with your family so that when you are public facing, you can be more selfless when that time comes to.
1: Yeah, I think I'm, I'm getting better at it. I think one of the things that we've definitely learned because beyond just the kids, um, but also, uh, you know, like what we look at in terms of our, our crazy, like moves back and forth between quarter Massachusetts, like we really do live our life a year in advance. Like the calendars are meticulously booked, um, really, really far in advance so that we know, like, you know, who's you know, helping out with childcare, if, you know, if for some reason I have to go downtown town for a course or something along those lines that we, we meticulously do that. We, we brought our nanny on full time. Um, of so just having someone who was kind of like hourly, like for, her only responsibilities to be with our girls. So like that was a, you know, an investment in that regard. And honestly, it's not that we, I think we use our nanny think mean, she, she gives us 20 hours a week and most of it's actually with the baby so that my wife can work while the girls are at school. Um, So you know that was a a financial outlay. I think we have to you know staff the facilities enough so that you know like the day before we left for Thanksgiving, the girls had like a a Thanksgiving pageant that they were singing in at 9:30 a.m. So I needed to make sure we had someone who could cover the pro guys at 9:30 so I could go and you know basically see our guys. But one thing that I really liked there was a a quote from Randy Zuckerberg, um, and she she basically said that you have to there's five things out there and you have to pick three. So it's fitness, sleep family friends and career and you have to pick three and and it's it's a hundred percent spot on um like i know for me personally like fitness is very important to me like i'm miserable if i don't work out um you know and then uh, obviously family is a really, really high important uh, priority for us and then career is a big deal for me too so like to be honest i don't i don't really keep in touch with a ton of friends from my hometown i have a couple like Really close buddies that I see on holidays, and we we'll text back and forth with. But you know, I don't have this massive like friend network. Most of our friends actually kind of come through the gym or through the industry. Like people I see at at seminars and stuff like that. Um, and sleep, I just I don't do well. <laughs> I never have. Yeah, so, in the same way. Um, yeah, so I, I think you know you figure out how to make those five work. And certainly there are, there are times when some are prioritized more than others. You know, you go on family vacation, you you turn off the career aspect of it, but. Um, I think if you have a pretty good feel for where you are in your life, like in retirement, yeah, career gets pushed out and, you know, then friends take a much higher priority and, you know, maybe fitness isn't quite as important when you're, you're 67 years old, where you're going gung ho training, you know, six days a week and, you know, you can prioritize sleep a little bit more or something like that. So I think I don't, I don't really believe in balance. Um, I just believe in like meticulously planning your calendar out and, you know, and, and understanding that you're going to have to you know work really hard at one thing while you're doing it. And then, when you're done with that, like, you know, when you get home and your kids are waiting for you, you throw yourself on the, sh- on the shelf and you, you go play with them.
0: Yeah, and th- there's two things you stated there that I want to pick up on. And it's nice because it, we've never had a chance to have this conversation. But yeah. I, too, am pretty miserable if I don't get a train. Now, with yeah. me trying to scale Art of Coaching, me not having really a business yeah. partner or a ton of help, this year I told my wife, I go, I think the last three months, my training, while consistent, has not been, uh, it's been, like, more Week relatively than, than it's been yeah. in any other time in my life since I've been a professional strength and conditioning coach. And, and then, you know, you get people that are like, oh, wait till you have kids, you know, and that's everybody's favorite phrase. Um, now there's yeah. always a way to get that stuff done, right? Like we understand that there's efficient ways to train and all that, but like,
1: yeah. uh,
0: you know, with, with Anna, your wife, she's also an yeah. enthusiast. I remember seeing a video of yeah. her doing sled, what was it? Sled pushes at like 36 weeks, into her pregnancy, oh, yeah. I think. Like, yeah. how do you guys balance yeah. that? How do you balance your training yeah. load out?
1: You know, I, I'll say this. I think one, like, I don't think we've ever had a conversation about it. I think one, like, really good, I guess, handshake agreement in our marriage is that we always watch out for each other whether it comes to fitness just because it's been such an important part of our life for so long. I mean, our fifth date was her coming to the gym to work out with me or something like that. Yeah, right. And I've, I've literally written her program since 2007 um she's a you know she's a great you know protege so to speak she always falls into a team stuff so um you know we kind of have agreements that like you know either she's gonna watch the kids while i work out or or vice versa or we're gonna you know basically have coverage for the nanny like we also don't really have an excuse to not work out where you know my i'm doing this interview right now like 15 feet from the gym um so it's you know i can't very well walk to my car on the way home without actually passing a gym right um, and with her she's at our gym helping out a lot too so um, you know, we kind of always have it at our fingertips, even if things bang out something quickly, but we've always supported each other in that regard, just because I think we both realize that if we take care of ourselves in that world, we're, we're better parents, we're better spouses. Um, you know, but, but you're right, like, I don't train nearly as hard as I did during my competitive powerlifting career. Like, you know, I, I think one of the things that's actually been the most, like, shocking to all this is. Um, how easily I can maintain strength. Right, like that's what I was gonna goes, mention
0: next, yeah. Yeah,
1: going into the other 600 once a month and it just kind of sticks around, um, you know, and, and the research validates that, you know, speed tends to atrophy obviously really quickly, so you have to train power frequently, but to look like aerobic capacity or, or strength in general, it does, you know, assuming, assuming your body weight consistent, it sticks around really, really easily
0: just a quick moment guys to tell any of you you've t- you've heard me and Eric in this episode talk about sleep he mentioned how he's not very good at it I'm not very good at it. I've tried so many routines I'm just th- that it's been something I've dealt with my whole life one thing that has helped with that and it is authentic is momentous sleep nighttime recovery as you guys know momentous has been a super loyal supporter of this podcast and it is the only real supplement that I take outside of protein and a basic multivitamin and some fish oil momentus sleep is really unique So there's only really three ingredients, guys, three ingredients. It is all NSF certified for sport, informed sport, trusted by sport, GMO free, gluten free. It's everything that you need. You take one capsule at bedtime. I usually do it uh, maybe two hours before because it literally takes me that long to wind down. But you should definitely, definitely check it out. Momentous Sleep. Remember, you can use the code BRETT. 20 that's Brett B R E T T 20 and you get 15% off anything at Momentus so check it out I don't put anything on here that I haven't tried myself that I haven't vetted myself Hopefully, if you've been listening to this a long time that you know, guys, I just I kind of cut the fluff. So Momentous Sleep has been a game changer for me. It's the one thing that helps me get through the night, especially now that I've got a baby in my life and I want to be there and make sure that I'm not just uh, uh, a zombie when it is my turn to kind of take over on daddy duty. So check it out, Momentous Sleep, Brett 20, on with the rest of the episode. Yeah, for sure. And I think that was one of the things I was most insecure about as a young professional in the field. You know, I was that psycho that when we'd go on a family vacation, I'd still have to fit in, you know, like my full 90-minute session or what have you. And now, yeah. you know, sometimes I can come back from, you know, if we go somewhere for a few days and it's suboptimal environment or, you know, you eat, yeah, even if you try to eat good on the road, it's still hard, right? But I'd come back and be cold garage at 930 at night. And I'm like, I'm going to get buried by front squat tonight. And sure enough, <laughs> I'd crush it. You know what I mean? I'd be like, huh, all right. Like I'm not as bad. (laughs) I have my nervous system is shit and I still manage to get it. So it is fascinating still how, I mean, you read about it, right? We read those period, the the articles that talk about degradation and all these things, but it's, it's another thing to experience. I think the only time I ever really get my ass kicked now is, uh, boxing. I can definitely feel it, but like that'll take it out of me for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I still have sessions that are absolutely terrible. Um, and, but, you know, to be honest, like, I, I don't feel like they're as predictable, right. Yeah. I don't think it's always going to come the day after I've, you know, had a sleepless night or anything like that. Um, you know, I certainly, I think it's, I, I tend to be more like when I've been on my feet after a long day and I'm lifting at four o'clock, like I, I always prefer to lift at like eight thirty if I could. So, um, those are the things you kind of like learn yourself and, and all that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm always stunned at how well it just kind of sticks around and if they're their limitations, they usually tend to be like more like feeling banged up as opposed to like being apathetic to training. Um, those are the things that, that I think are, are more intriguing.
0: Yeah. Reminds you how resilient humans are. And then again, I think for me, it always put the, the research that I read in better perspective because we definitely live in a world where everybody thinks that their programs have to be perfectly laid out or you're not going to achieve a certain adaptation and that, you know, this will get in the way. It's like, nah, you know what, more or less your body's pretty resilient. And if you're consistent yeah. over time, like, that's going to do it. Let's, um, you know, speaking of opportunities, you had mentioned that a, long, a, a bit ago, just saying, you know, you're a lot more picky. You turn a lot more down. And yeah. I think we, we've we kind of chatted about this where it's like some coaches believe it's heresy that should a major league baseball team or an NFL team or an NBA team or whatever want to hire you and you turn it down. I, I remember when I had an opportunity in the NFL and I had chosen a, a different opportunity I'd already committed to before that offer came through. I had gotten almost like hate emails of people saying, mm-hmm. you know, I can't believe you did that. So many people would have taken that job and, you know, it. but people don't really understand, right? Like in terms of you have to know what's right kind of for your family yeah. and the time, what are some kind of rules or heuristics you use, Eric, to determine, is this a right fit? And, you know, have you, like, have you and Anna talked about these things, some concrete pieces that have to be in place?
1: Yeah, you know, my, my wife has a running joke that her rule for me is no more jobs, <laughs> um, which is um, somewhat fair. Uh, and, you know, I, I have been a guy that said yes for too many times. Like, some of them are just like, you know, I, I, you know, I think there's the, the clear, like, obvious, like, no, I definitely can't do this, right? Like, and those are the ones that are like, you know, it's a, it's a course in, I don't know, the middle of like Wyoming. And they want to offer you a $300 stipend and you're expected to cover your own airfare and accommodation. Oh, yeah. And they reserve and they reserve the right to video your presentation and sell it for profit. You're like, I'm going to spend more than that on my nanny. I'm going to have to pay people to cover the gym while I'm gone. There's no way to fly direct. It's going to be a miserable experience. And, you know, those are the ones where it's like you just, you fiscally can't justify it.
0: any capacity. No, like and people explosion. shouldn't, but I, I'm, I'm a big advocate That's of like, I don't mean to right. interrupt, but like, I can't believe our okay. profession still tries to put people in those situations. Cause I'm with you too. Yeah, And then people want to yeah. say, Oh, you're an asshole. You're big time. It's like, no dude, you know what? You're an asshole because you're not really considering these other things, you know? And it's not always in yeah. the organizers, you know, usually they're on behalf of another organization, but that stuff yeah. needs to change for sure.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the stuff that I, especially, you know, international travel tends to be really, really hard. Um, and you know, obviously it's a game changer to have a family leaving behind because you know, you're not just paying to get childcare or whatever, but you're, you're stressing your spouse out pretty heavily. Um, it's like you will understand it. Like by the time bedtime rolls around, like you're just exhausted. Three so, girls get, get in the bed. Yes, um, and you know I want to drink water, and no, I want those PJs. And like, <laughs> it's literally like well, I've been running like group texts so with a few of my buddies who also strongly dislike bedtime, and uh, we have like a. Every time, like, a wife goes out to dinner with friends and, like, the, the dad is solo with the kids for bedtime, the group text message gets fired up again. So it's, <laughs> but that's what happens. So I'm always, like, cognizant of it. And so I, to be honest, I do some consulting in Major League Baseball with one one particular team. And, you know, I, I have a really strong relationship with the Chief Baseball Officer, and we structured my consulting deal to be very much remote. I'm, I'm involved on the staffing and strategy. I had four travel days for it in 2018. Beautiful. kind of like, that was kind of by design, you know. So I, I, I definitely, cr- and, and to your point about turning down opportunities, a lot of times, you know, you don't want to marry the first girl you meet at the bar. Like to some degree, it's worthwhile to turn down some of those opportunities because there are going to be more, and more often than not, you can find something that fits in line with your, you know, your geographic components that you consider, your, you know, fiscal components, but also just like your your quality of life things and and I've been fortunate to be able to do that and maybe you know, kind of expanding it you know, further in this year now that you know, life has a little bit of a better pace to it and all that. So, um, no, I don't, I don't ever apologize for turning that opportunity. Certainly, I feel blessed for, for having those opportunities, but you, you can't be everything to everybody. And what I always come back to, and you, know, you can appreciate this as well, is like when you go on the road, like you're leaving a client at home like behind who is expecting to see you. So there's, there's only so many of you know, those takes that you can have where they're going to be okay with having, you know, basically not Eric Cressy, you know, just have an employee or something. They never see them the exact same way as the business owner. So I try not to, to pull on that too much.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And and that point you touched on too about not apologizing for it. You know, I I did that way too much early on. You know, because I I had this scarcity mindset of like, oh, maybe tomorrow nobody's gonna give a shit what I want to say or what I have to say. Yeah. And you know, then what I started doing is I just started laying it out for people. And I won't belabor this because we have a separate episode on it. But I started putting together a document that says, hey, here's what you're asking for. Here's the rate. Here's the breakdown of it. This is the best I can do. And you know, it's no different than any other service that you reach out for. But I, it's it's still. Fascinating. Fascinating to me, that's so uncommon in strength and conditioning. Where somebody says, "Well, how can you warrant this rate?" and I go, "Brother, like by the end of this, like you said, Eric, by the time I leave, by the time I get coverage, by the time I come back, you're paying me seven dollars an hour. You're paying me seven dollars." But they don't see that because people have a very odd attachment to money in our field, where they don't really always have that business or economic background. And that's what Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you too. Is how much did owning your own business and, and opening all that, you know, like, I, I'm sure you had a fairly decent background in, in these things before, but when you think of opportunity costs, which fits hand in hand with business and family, how did being yes. a business owner make you look at these things in either a more detailed or different sure. format in general?
1: So you're going to get the nerdy accountant answer. Please. I actually was on path to being in a nerdy accountant. So actually I went to Babson College for my first two years. I thought I was going to be an accountant. Um, my brother's an accountant, my sister-in-law's an accountant, my cousin's an accountant, my uncle before he passed away was an accountant. Like, I did not know that. I did, my, I did my career paper my sophomore year in high school on accounting. I went to the state accounting championship in 1999. Time right, out, what? <laughs> yeah, it, there's a, that's actually- Did you a get a thing. jacket? Yeah, I no, I didn't it, see the jacket. Oh my gosh, that was a, a long day that led to nothing. But the point is that I've always been particularly good with numbers. I've been fascinated by numbers, presumably because of kind of the black and white nature of them. Um, All that, so I, you know, I've always had like a cordial relationship with our accountant. I think just because I'm always like kind of interested in what he does and all that. So um, what I would say is, what I look at. I left, you know, the uh, Babson College after my sophomore year, transferred to the University of New England, did a double major in sports management, exercise science, did my grad degree in kinesiology at UConn, and then you know went to the private sector for a few years, and then ultimately decided to open our own place. So think about it this way: July thirteenth, two thousand seventeen. We opened CSP, um, and I take $127,000, so like every penny in my bank account, and invested in it. So that's the cover, flooring, 30 grand in renovations to so the kind of the dungeon we moved into. That's you know, laptops, that's printers, that's all of our gym equipment, turf, you name it. Like we went on a on a perform better shopping spree to, to outfit the place. So I, and I and I didn't really think about like what what's the alternative, you know? Like I was just like, we're doing this time. You get clients that want to train. Let's, let's ride the wave. So that was the summer of, of seventeen. What a lot of people forget is that in two thousand eight, the market tanked. Um, so if I had taken that money and put it into a stock market, I would have lost probably about fifty percent of it in the, in the eighteen months that followed. Instead, I put it into a business that appreciated by double digits every year through two thousand fourteen, and then we, you know, basically added a second facility. So it's, it's really been a, a very profitable um, investment. You know whether I appreciate it or not, but Here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is let's say in 2017, I had just taken that money and I had kind of like just put it in the bank. Historical rate of return says it's going to double every seven years. So, you know, seven to eight years, give or take. So that would have been $254,000 by, you know, basically 2014 or so. And at the same time, I would have also had income working as a trainer somewhere else So say I just gone to, you know, whatever gym down the street and 40 grand as a personal trainer and, Um, so you take that forty grand and you you multiply it out by, you know, basically those seven years, that's another two hundred eighty thousand. So you're looking at the basically two hundred and eighty thousand plus the you know two hundred and fifty something thousand dollars. you're looking at basically five hundred and thirty thousand dollars that you have to offset to say that you even broke even over the course of those seven years. Like, cost of doing business.
0: Yeah, it's cost of doing business.
1: Exactly. So there's your and, and that doesn't even speak to anything else. Like what are the other opportunities that you turn down? Because, you know, you were a one man show at first, you couldn't go and speak at the seminar or, you know, how many birthday parties and holidays did you miss because you were short staffed and people wanted to list on Labor Day or something like that. So you look at all that stuff and, and you know, 530,000 divided by seven, I think if you ask a lot of personal trainers out there, like, Hey, are you positive you're going to pull 80 grand a year out of this over right. the next you know, basically seven years? people don't realize that it's that big a number and that's why you see so many gyms that tank or people that, you know, take money from clients and then close their doors and they show up the next day and the, the gym's out of business because they don't fundamentally appreciate like all that, you know, like, you know, leases are expensive. You got a personal guarantee and there's, there's all these different things. So you're, you ultimately have to appreciate that you're building a business that hopefully is going to be around for a really, really long time. But in the short term, a lot of people will be better off just not doing it. Like being an there's, there's nothing, you know, that's, There's nothing wrong with being an employee. It's a very respectful thing and a lot of people are better as employees.
0: Yeah, I think one point you touch on there too is uh, you, there. There's so many factors you have to consider. I remember, you know, to to kind of bridge the gap with what you were saying. The opportunity mm-hmm. I almost took in 2015 to go to a pro sport organization, it it would have been much more lucrative in terms of salary. I think it was around 250 thousand mm-hmm. dollars. The opportunity yeah. I ended up taking was about eighty thousand dollars, if that, in California. Which anybody that lives in California mm-hmm. or has been there knows that's probably around fifty thousand dollars, if that, after taxes and all those things. But the opportunity in California was going to teach me a lot more, kind of uh, about business stuff. Hello. Hi, can you hear me?
1: Yeah, sorry. You cut out right when you said the opportunity I took instead was about 80,000 in California, and then it stopped.
0: Interesting. Sorry about that. Can you? So we're good now? Yes, yeah, start
1: back up and I'll listen and then we'll keep it going.
0: We'll do. So, the opportunity I, I took in California was around $80,000. And then there was opportunities for commission or what have you. But anybody that's been in California knows that that's not much money. After taxes, you're maybe bringing 40, 50 home because of the yeah. tax in California. But, right, like I was going to learn things about business in California, being a co owner and a, a, a key part of that business that was gonna transcend and help me in other areas in life down the road, right? So it became pretty easy to know, well, one, I already made that commitment. I'm gonna stick to my word. And then two, one of my friends said, you've gotta think about this, man. I know you could make this jump right now and you could get the shiny letters behind your name with the NFL and all that, but are you gonna learn as broad of skill set as you can that's gonna serve you through the length of your career? You can always go back to that, learn something now. And so what I hope people took away from what you said is like, listen, you you didn't say that everybody should go start a business and, you know, that they could expect to double their money. You said you've got to look at the opportunities and you've got to evaluate them and knows what goes into them. You got to play the long game. You got to periodize your career just like you would your programs. Did I hear you correct in your key point there?
1: Oh, a thousand percent. And I think the other thing too, is, and you just even alluded to it, um, is that, you know, in pro sports, like there's no guarantee there's a long haul, right? Like crazy sports performance, we've been around 12 years. Like, like the chances of us closing our doors and tanking, like we're a stable company. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just like you look at like the, you know, the S&P 500 stuff like that. Like, yeah. Like, you know, Procter and Gamble is not going out of business. You know, McDonald's isn't going under. Um, but you look at professional sports, there is really any, no job security.
0: Right. Right? You might be
1: there two years, coach gets fired and you're gone, no matter how good a job you did. And so you wind up having to bounce around or do some different stuff. Um, you know, so, I think that's the other thing is like if you if you were to leave what you build from a brand standpoint and jump right into a you know a full-time employee role like you got to walk away from some stuff that you know might be your security um, and you know certainly pro sports can give you potentially more compensation and you know better benefits package and 401k matching all this stuff you might not get in the private sector but you know you are potentially flirting with a you know a career disaster if things don't work as well as you'd like.
0: Right. And like when when we started off, we were talking about your daughters and we were talking about that article. And one thing you had said in that article you had written back in May 2019 is just how impressionable kids can be. And then you started yeah. to talk about, and I'll link the article in the show notes so people can read it, but talking about advertising and, and, and all these impressions. Well, I look at that, Eric, with strength coaches too, you know, these people think that they have to get these jobs to be taken seriously. Now, in all fairness, I do think, and people have told me this, there have been people that haven't bought my courses or things like that because they're like, hey, you haven't <laughs> been on the pro side, you know, what do you know? You're a private sector guy. But then, you know, these are also the same people that even if you went to the pro side and won a Super Bowl or World Series, they'd sit there and say, yeah, but you had this guy on the injured yeah. reserve and hamstrings. You know, as somebody like yourself, that's been a figurehead in this industry so long, you know, do you ever feel like... um Uh, You know, where do you think that comes from where people feel like they've got to work for this organization or that team to feel some kind of validation? Like what, what is really keeping them up at night that they're craving, that they feel like that path is the way they have to go?
1: Yeah, I think the, the thing I would tell you is that there are miserable, cranky old men in in any profession. And I think one of the things that you're, you're, we're hypersensitive to it when we're young in that industry, because there are more people that are kind of like pushing you down, pushing you down when you're trying to get up, um, so, if I can give you an example, like professional baseball five years ago was incredibly insular. Like, I, I probably had relationships with three or four organizations that were really good. Usually it was just because I had one of their big league guys that we trained and, you know, they did some outreach to make sure we weren't doing anything dumb with them in the offseason. But, like, in terms of like front office relationships, they were non existent. This year, uh, as an example, I gave a talk in St. Louis. Um, the Cubs and the, the uh, Cardinals were playing in St. Louis. Um, so I went, you know, before the game for BP to meet up with some of the guys. Got there early. Cardinals BP is taking place. Meeting up with our Cardinals guys. Ollie Marmol is the bench coach for the Cardinals, came over and said hello. Jeff Albert, hitting coach, came over and said hello. Uh, Thomas Knox, physical therapist, came over and said hello. We chatted. Those guys actually ran slugs past the big seminar this offseason I spoke at um, just a couple weeks ago. And then the Cubs guys, um, you know, we saw our players. And I, I get back to my seat, um, you know, about a, 20 minutes before the game starts playing. I actually get a text from one of our Cubs guys. And he's like, hey, some of our new performance guys really want to meet you. You want to come down and say hello to them? I'm like, sure. Clubby came up and got me. I went down and I, I chatted with a you know, with a couple of their guys for the first two innings, like under the stadium in the locker room. Like, that never would have happened in 2010. Like, here we are in 2019. Like, I'm going to speak at Pitchapalooza in Nashville in a couple weeks. Literally, there'll be 28 out of 30 teams or like represented. There'll be GMs there. There'll be scouting directors. They'll be, you know, basically directors of player development, pitching coaches, all those mingling with like high school coaches, um, people from the private sector, you name it. So the the barriers have been very broken down. I think a lot of it's because social media, um, you know, has given people who didn't have a voice, you know, kind of an access point to get their expertise out there to a lot of bigger names. And now you're seeing more and more hires from the college sector and the private sector directly into professional baseball. So As an example, Matt Blake was just hired as the pitching coordinator, excuse me, big league pitching coach for the Yankees. Um, They called me to do reference tracks and everything through the process. And Matt was our pitching coordinator at CST Mass for seven years, really between 2008 and 2015. He was kind of the first guy to get hired from the private sector, the Cleveland Indians, made him a coordinator. He worked his way up over the course of four years with them to become their director of pitching. And the Yankees hired him at age 33 to be their big league pitching coach like probably the most coveted pitching coach job in, in all of baseball. And he did it at age 33 coming from a private sector education. Like, so I think the, the, the barriers are lower than they've ever been. Obviously, that can be a bad thing, but I think it's actually a really good thing because a sport that's been very narrow-minded and you know, kind of traditionalism roots um, for an extended period of time is now getting more and more open-minded
0: yeah couldn't agree more I mean uh, even three years ago when I moved out to Atlanta I, I, I got a lot of side eyes of people that just didn't understand this third space that I lived in where you know I don't own a facility and at the same time I work with some pro teams and then I coach people but I also go speak for military and organizations and what have. so people would say so let me get this straight you don't work for a team you don't have your own facility what do you do and I'm like well I coach and I speak and I do some consulting and they're like but you don't have your own place and I'm like, why is that so weird to you? And they're like, well, we just didn't know that. Ha-. And I'm like, dude, like, this is such a young field. There's so many opportunities for people to carve it up however they want. They just kind of have to have the yep. balls to make the move.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and like the ah, facility ownership is a really slippery slope. People put it on this pedestal of awesomeness and like, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that's not glamorous. Like the, the glamour of autonomy, masks, you know, all of the hard work and, Headaches and things like that that go on behind the scenes, like you know, like my business partner and I were just like pouring through our lease and maps to see who was responsible for like some of the new um, pilot elements in our you know our uh, heating unit, like things like that are, are crazy. You're going to deal with you know with good landlords and bad landlords. There's just we're we're actually building a facility, um, you know, at our Florida location right now. Like I wrote a two hundred fifty-six thousand dollar check last week. Oh like, my God, those are those are not easy to do. No. Like I know it's. You know, I look at it as prepaid rent, you know, getting our dream facility and all this stuff. But like, you know, we're we're talking big boy numbers now. So it's just, there's nothing wrong with being an employee. There's nothing wrong with working on somebody else's facility. It's so incredibly admirable work. And and not only that, you can be an entrepreneur more easily than ever before, right? Like you can be an entrepreneur on social media. You can be an entrepreneur, you know, as a coach. You can do just a million different things to, to get your word out there.
0: Yeah, I think, and I'm really glad you're transparent. I appreciate the transparency of you sharing dollar amounts because I think that like, yeah. you know, some people look at that as something, you know, oh, I, I, I don't want to share this, but I, our field needs to be exposed to that. You know, I had a discussion mm-hmm. with somebody on Twitter the other day where, you know, I just told somebody because I think I had heard for the 1,000th time somebody saying they couldn't afford to go to a clinic. And I said, listen, I'm I'm totally understanding that everybody's got different budget constraints, but, you know, there's so much free education out there right now that, if you can't afford to invest one per in the 1% that probably does cost you money, whether that's a workshop or an online course, that's probably a budget issue. I I mean, it just probably is. And the guy goes, he got really angry and he said, listen, I'm a high school strength coach. You know, we have limited con ed, limited time off. And I just said, listen, man, I'm sorry. I work for myself. I don't get a con ed budget, you know? And, and, and and people get, they think it's combative, but Eric, it's funny. Like you talked about the 200 plus thousand dollar check you wrote. I talk about this all the time. Listeners probably go nuts any one of my online courses, the one on career development valued or bought in cost me 25,000 to make. So every mm-hmm. time somebody tells me that they can't afford 497 or an $80 a month payment plan, which is three bucks a day, like I just don't have the same level of empathy for that, that I used to probably yep. when I was a GA because going yeah, out. I think,
1: yeah. Value is a perception, not a right. calculation. Exactly. You know, and I, I always come back to that. And you know, in many cases the they're sending those cranky messages from their seven hundred dollar iPhone. So it's <laughs> you know, it's it's all relative. You know, they're like in do wrong, like, you know, there are certain things that, that I won't spend on. Like I'm not a car guy. Like I'll me neither. That, like the board. Like I would never spend a hundred thousand dollars on a car. I couldn't imagine doing it. To me it's like a get you from point A to point B. Like, um, so I could I could really care less what I'm i actually I just joking my wife the other day. I'm like, I need a downsize. Like this car is I mean, it's, it's reliable, but it's probably way nicer than I need. What
0: do you have right now, a Honda Fit?
1: I, 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 I So it's funny, I, I got a Lexus in 2011, Yeah. and I just, like, kept driving it. Um, it was a used Lexus, and it got to be, like, 2017. It had, like, 84,000 miles on it. She's like, you know, you should probably get a new car. Like, what are you going to get? I'm like, how would I just get a newer one of these? And I bought, like, a 2017 of the exact same car. Yep. Um, like, it's, you know, it was, you know, slightly used. All those, like, and then we have a Toyota Sequoia for our daughters. Like, it's, you know, our, we're not complex. In fact, we, we got sick of moving cars back and forth between facilities, so actually, We bought a, like a 2013 Toyota Corolla to keep at our house in Massachusetts, just so that life would be easier. But, like, you know, I could never imagine, like, going out and buying a Tesla or anything like that. And it's not a commentary on people who drive them, but it just doesn't intrigue me.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to pump the brakes there, because I was just about to tell yeah. you. So yeah. we have we have like a 2018 used Ford Explorer. It's like what I haul yep. my equipment in, it's the beater car, yep. right? The dogs get in there. Yep. And this is after like the Honda Accords and I think my wife had some like thing she called Olga the Oldsmobile that just leaked yep. fluid everywhere. Um, <laughs> but then the next thing I got and I'm not a car guy either and this is going to confound some people, yep. but I actually got a Tesla. Now. All right. I got the, I got me. I got the Model Here. 3 which starts at okay. 32,000 which was okay. way cheaper than my other, like Accord after you accounted for fuel costs. And, yeah. uh, you know, so this is what got me though. So I was in one day, I was yeah. taking the Explorer and I was looking at the math. I'm not an accountant like you, but you know, I, my, my father's in finance. So we were going over sure. this one year and I'm like, I spent $4,500 in gas this year. Cause I live an hour and a half from the airport. And the white, okay. and so I'm looking at, okay, I, I spent $4,500 in gas. Um, I go, how much did I spend on oil changes? I added all this up. And then one day I'm getting ready to go train guys and I have an issue with the engine. So I go in to get it mm-hmm. service afterwards. I spend four and a half hours in the service department, right? Because either they, oh, now you have this issue or, oh, we forgot to tell you this. So eventually I just looked at all the time, money, all this shit that was wasted. And I go, I hate cars. I never want to deal with this stuff again. And so a buddy of mine worked at Tesla and he said, listen, dude, he goes, I don't know how you feel about electric. I go, I don't really give a shit. I just don't want to have to deal with car stuff. And so I did research for several months. So this Tesla now, right? Base model, simple model three, like no frills. It's their economy. There's no gas there are, I mean, obviously no fuel costs. There's no engine, like uh, in terms of like uh, any of that stuff, every two to four years, you maybe have to go in and get the tires rotated and windshield wipers replaced. And if you get in the car, there's like nothing to it. It's just basically a screen. So I'm like, this is speaking my language now. Yeah. I'm like, there's, (laughs) there's nothing to it. And so I I got a home charger. I did the math with that. Again, I looked at my monthly fuel costs and I'm like, all right, if I install this type of home charger, Like That's basically the equivalent of fueling up my Explorer 20 times. And I have like a gas tank at my house. So I'll end it with this. We go on a road trip because I'm like, I got to figure out, is this going to be an issue? Am I going to have range issues? My mom, my stepdad, and I go to Orlando for Universal Studios, like a Halloween thing. My mom's a Halloween freak. We had to Mm -hmm. recharge it twice on the way down, twice on the way back. The total cost of driving it from Atlanta to Orlando was $12. That's
1: pretty good. $12 because it's like-
0: it's like five cents, I think, a minute or something like that for supercharger and all that. So, like, yeah, I'm with you. It's A to B. And, like, it looks, it doesn't, it's nothing fancy. Now I'm with you. Would I ever buy like the Model X, you know, 100? Yeah, of, that's
1: what I was getting
0: at. No. So. Yeah, no. And I know that but, because that was the issue where I was going with that because you made a great point about perception. The minute somebody saw the Tesla in the back of one of my Instagram stories, they're like, yeah. oh, and I'm like, bro, this is a Model 3 Your Your Ford pickup truck is more than my Tesla here, buddy. You know, but it's fascinating the heuristics that people use where they jump on something and it's labels. And that's why that article with your kids was so great. You said, and I'm going to quote it, we can debate how impactful certain messages we send are. But at the end of the day, it's hard to deny the fact that people, you were saying kids, but I'm going to say people are very impressionable. impressionable, And the messages we send aren't always yielding positive outcomes. And I think of that as a complete direct tie in with our industry as well.
1: Yeah, no doubt about
0: it. Uh, so, yeah, that's my selling point. Now, I don't work for Tesla, but, you know, hopefully I, uh,
1: <laughs> hopefully so I'm intrigued I, now. Now I'm intrigued, man. Yeah, man,
0: ba- base model three. Uh, so, <laughs> so, like, you know, in terms of what the next step, you, you have two facilities, you have three yeah. girls, you have systems, you have a process, like what's next and what's enough for you?
1: Yeah, it's a great point, you know, because I, I definitely am a guy that kind of keeps pushing the bar higher and higher. And I'm, my wife, uh, it's funny, she, she the best one ever was, um, so in 2017, we trained um, both Max Scherzer and Corey Kluver when they won the Cy Young Award. Yeah. We had the, the American League and the National League, and it was announced on like a Wednesday night. And, you know, the award show was on like MLB Network, and it gets announced, and they're like, awesome. And like 10 minutes later, I'm back working on my computer she's like, are you serious? Like, you don't, you're not going to even like attempt to smell the roses or anything. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how to celebrate. Like, and that's just entrepreneurship. Like yeah, you're done with whatever. You. It's not like you like plan a big steak dinner and go out and everything. Like you just get back to work. Um, so I think that's a, a, to some degree a fatal flaw of mine, but, um, you know, we definitely do have things that we, we want to do and to grow. certainly our, our new facility down here is in a lot of ways, a dream come true, not just because it's going to obviously be a showcase location and something that our our clients will really be able to, you know, to have a lot of fun in and, you know, make a ton of progress. But, you know, from the selfishly it's gonna um, be a much more convenient setup for us because we can do so many different things right in one place instead of in the car, having to hop in the car to go do our skill development stuff. So um, we'll be able to, you know, expand our revenue streams and you know have a hidden corner on the site. We got physical therapists on staff now, um, and be able to do all of our pitching stuff right in house. We'll be clutch. So expanding what we do in terms of analytics and high speed cameras and all that. So it's, it'll be a much more comprehensive baseball development. experience. That's a big one. Um, you know, it'll also be kind of like a hub for continuing education activities, art of coaching events. And, there you go. You're ready to make the trip down. And, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, I think the other thing too is we're, uh, I, you know, some projects both like in, in, major league baseball kind of in the works, um, stuff that may be expanding a little bit more. Um, but also, uh, we, we've taught our, our baseball mentorship, um, in an in-person format all the way back since 2012. And, Myself and um, Eric Schoenberg, our physical therapist, are, you know, in the process of getting that something to be something that's available online so it's an actual course folks can go through remotely as well. So um, that's kind of like a, an education standard we've become known for. And I think there's a, a huge gap in the market that, you know, baseball just isn't, it's not taught well to people who are doing rehabilitation. And even the physical aspect of it aren't necessarily disseminated well to skilled development coaches. So we've created a good product that I think will be good. So we'll get that out in 2020. And um, so kind of expanding some different offerings and, you know, certainly continue to be dad and make sure plenty of time for family is a big part of the schedule as well.
0: How many more kids?
1: Uh, I think we're done. If I had to, <laughs> if I had to guess. Yeah. So, you know, I think everyone keeps coming back. You try for a boy, try for a boy, but you know, there's a thing in that baseball. If, you, if you're involved in baseball, you always have girls. Um, I was talking to Will Middlebrooks, who was our hitting coordinator and He's got a daughter and another one on the way. I'm like, dude, what is it? He's like, hot, pant- hot tubs and tight pants. There you go. Um, and I'm like, that doesn't explain mine. I don't wear hot tubs, right. tubs tight pants or anything like that. So um, I have no rest now, but it's shocking. If you looked at baseball, I bet there's 80% daughters, 20% daughter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, if you ever get the edge, man, just you can come over and uh, terrorize my son, you know, when he's born <laughs> you anytime go. you want. Oh, um,
1: uh, man, I'm excited for you. You got, a, you got a lot of hard work ahead of a different sort.
0: Yeah, no, I can appreciate that. Well, listen, you've been a champion, man. I know you're sick and, and you know, you've been straining with your, like, your voice and, and giving great yeah. content. You didn't have to do this today. Um, and I do want to say one thing, too, man, is, and, and I'm going to try to put this out succinctly, but it's hard because I respect the hell out of you so much. There are so many people, as you mentioned, in our field that it just became quotidian to push others down, push others down. And you were one person... One of very few that from the minute I kind of came on the scene and made myself a little bit more visible, which was not something I really always wanted to do. You were always very supportive, very respectful. You never big time me. And I think people need to really who aren't like people need to really appreciate what you've done. I mean, just looking at your archives and I'm sure it goes beyond this, but if anybody even just goes to your website, like ericcressy.com, this guy's got archives going back to September 2002. And the truth is the majority of what a lot of you are seeing people share on Instagram and things now are just re like different permutations of the work that people at Eric and so many other people have done years before. Right. And you've always given unselfishly. And it's just a big, it's a quote. I think there's a quote that I say that is you to a T pretenders may get the moment, but leaders will always get the legacy. And man, you have left an indelible legacy on my life. Um, I have a special place in my heart for baseball too. the hardest working group of athletes I've ever worked with was the baseball team at Southern Illinois who lost their uh, coach uh, to cancer in the season and these guys, you know, were just amazing to work with. So I appreciate everything you're doing, the space in which you're doing it, and the way you do it. So thank you.
1: Oh, Thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it. It means a lot coming from you. You were a guy who's, uh, you know, I remember the first time we met up. <laughs> I was at spring training, and you were uh, out at, I think it was still API. It wasn't yeah. Nexus yet. And I remember uh, you busting your butt on the floor racing around and firmest handshake in the room and biggest smile in the room, and it, it hasn't wavered. So I'm, I'm thrilled to see you having so much success.
0: Well, it means a lot. Guys, check out everything Eric has to offer in the show notes below. Again, ericcressy.com. Eric, you want to tell him the name of your podcast while we're at it?
1: Sure. It's the Elite Baseball Development Podcast. Um, it's just elitebaseballpodcast.com. We'll forward right to
0: it. Yeah. And whether thanks you guys for want, me so much. no, it's my pleasure. Whether you guys want yeah. programs, webinars, education materials, he's got it. Eric, happy holidays. And thanks again for your time, brother.
1: Thank you.